Police were convinced that Jerry and Kate McCann were responsible for the disappearance of their daughter, Madeline McCann, and sought evidence to prove their theory, while the McCanns continued their own investigation with the hope of finding their little girl alive. The efforts of both were fruitless, and it would be over a decade before a new suspect would take center stage, with investigators convinced that Madeline was dead and that they had her killer in their crosshairs. I'm Marina, with me I have my best friend Laura, and this is Grim. Part two. Part, duh. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that in another We episode. definitely have. I just really like to say it. I love it. It's actually why we do two-parters, so I can it, say it. Part, duh. <laughs> duh. So uh, we're going to talk about the semi-dramatic conclusion of this case today. Yeah. But first, we have a new Patreon we Ooh. have to shout out. So I want to give a big old Patreon thank you to Ben B. Ben B. Woo! Woo! We love you, Ben. <laughs> thank you to all of our Patreons. If you want your own shout out and can't get enough grim, check out our Patreon. You can get some pee bony episodes. So check it out. Okay. So when we last left off, the police had named Kate and Jerry as our guidos. The DNA report indicated that the blood sample from the car had similar genetic markers, but the results were inconclusive. But the media was told that the blood was an 80% match and that they expected confirmation of a 100% match shortly. Bullshit. I know, right? Yep. At this point, the police told Kate that if she admitted that Madeline died accidentally and that she was the one who hid the body, she probably wouldn't face more than two years for the crime. Okay, let's even just play that out. Say that something had happened or whatever. Who would who would know? Like they could just not have reported that she went missing, you know? Like it, so why would she have announced and told everyone and gotten the police involved that her daughter was missing if she was guilty? Well, and not only that, these are doctors. These uh-huh. are very educated people. Yeah. If something accidentally happened and your child died, why would your first instinct be to craft this elaborate cover up right. and then get the authorities involved? Right. Exactly. They would have done something different. Like, yeah. I don't know what it would have been, would've but been it was smarter. <laughs> it would have been, yeah, it would have been different and it would have been smarter. Mm-hmm. Kate didn't take this deal. I mean, surprising. I know. It's shocking. <laughs> On September 7th, both care. No, it's not Carrie. Jerry and Kate were formally named Arguidos by the Portuguese police judiciary. Yikes. According to someone close to the McCanns, Kate was hysterical at this point, not because she was named a suspect, but because it meant that the police were not looking for Madeline. That is exactly what I would think. Yeah. They're looking, they're looking for evidence to secure convictions against the parents instead of looking for evidence Mm -hmm. that she was abducted and still alive. In the end, the final DNA report couldn't match a single sample to Madeline, Mm -hmm. yet the media had reported it was a match. They said Madeline's hair had been found in the car, and police were convinced that this was a murder case. Evidence be damned, their theory, led by Gonsalvo Amaral, was that Madeline had died accidentally. Maybe Kate and Jerry gave her some type of sedative, like a form of Benadryl or NyQuil, so that she wouldn't disturb them while they were at the restaurant but that the plan went awry. 
They believe the wellness checks performed by the Tapa 7 were all concocted and that the McCanns hid Madeline's body somewhere, maybe in a refrigerator, until they moved it at least 25 days later in their rental car. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so no. either. I don't know what happened. Right. Because it is very confusing. It is. And things don't make sense. But that doesn't mean that that's the answer. I know. The McCanns consistently denied giving the children anything to sleep, but Kate was suspicious that someone may have drugged the children that night. If Madeline was taken by a stranger and was awake at the time, she would have yelled or cried for her parents. And when the family discovered that she was missing and ran back to the apartment, there were about 20 people milling about, I'm sure in a loud panicked state. Mm -hmm. And the twins slept through the entire hullabaloo going on in the apartment. I was thinking that when her friend, whose name I can't remember, had seen the man walking away from the hotel. Jane. Right. um, With a girl, a sleeping girl. Like, you're not, that is is not a child you just abducted if they're sleeping in your arms. Right. Even, Even a parent has a hard time picking up a kid and keeping them sleeping. Exactly. We'll, we'll talk more about the man. He becomes, he's a focus. He's focused. So Kate was actually concerned about the twins and was checking on them constantly to make sure they were still breathing because for them to sleep through that was surprising. She asked the police to take a hair sample from them to test for any substances, but they declined to do so. A sample was later taken by a private investigator working for the McCanns, but I don't think anything ever came of it because I didn't see anything in the articles. Probably too late. Yeah. With the media in a frenzy, two days after they were named Arguidos, Kate and Jerry made the decision to return home to Britain to try to give Sean and Emily as ordinary a life as possible. And possibly to avoid arrest in Portugal. I mean, that too, but I mean, they could have been called back at any time. Because aside from the complete speculation the media was slinging at every chance, they were also unbelievably aggressive in their efforts to get exclusive video and photos of the McCanns. At one point, they'd actually bang on the windows of the home with the camera lenses, and they were scaring the twins. I bet. The media even published Kate McCann's diary without her permission. Oh my God. It had to be an incredibly hard decision to leave the area Mm -hmm. that their daughter was last seen, but also a relief to get away from Mm -hmm. the scene of the crime and go back to the comforts of their home. A real double-edged sword. Definitely. Of course, the media circus followed them home, but at least they were somewhere familiar familiar dealing with the drama getting to the root of the word (laughs) familial (laughs) and speaking of drama less than a month after the mccann's departure from portugal on october 2nd gonsalvo amaral was fired from the police judiciary because he accused the british police of being the mccann's puppets he chastised them for looking into leads generated by the mccann's since they were prime suspects (laughs) A new chief investigator was assigned to the case in Portugal, and when he was asked at a press conference if the McCanns were prime suspects, he said that was all speculation and that the police were leaving all options open. That's a much better answer. Yes. They were still Arguidos at that point, but it seems like Gonsalvo may have been the one with a bone to pick. Hmm. I wonder why. Is he egg-shaped? I don't know. <laughs> no, kidding. no, he, no, he's... <laughs> with a side part? <laughs> no, no side part. Okay. If his removal from the case was not enough to cast shade onto his theories in Madeline's case, how about the fact that he was actually named an Arguido himself in a different case just one day after Madeline disappeared? What? Which apparently was not enough to get him suspended from Madeline's case. I was just going to say, or or from work in general. Nope. Nope. Just carried on. Okay. In 2004, eight-year-old Joanna Cipriano disappeared just seven miles from Praia de Luz. Gonzalo Amaral was involved in the case, and the woman's mother and uncle were ultimately charged and convicted with the girl's murder. Joanna's mother had confessed, 
but photos taken of her after the confession showed that she had been badly beaten (gasps) badly beaten that makes for a great accurate confession right definitely okay Uh, but the police didn't do that oh she fell down the stairs (sighs) yeah Mm -hmm. she fell down the stairs Mm -hmm. she threw herself down the stairs i think is what they said yeah Joanna's uncle was sentenced to 19 years in prison, and his cellmate in prison said that he had a photo of Joanna taken from after she was allegedly kidnapped, and he admitted selling her to a foreign couple. So it seems as though Joanna may not have actually been murdered, and if she was, it was incredibly questionable whether her mother had anything to do with it. Right. Amaral was charged with perjury for trying to cover up the beating of her mother in that case. And as I previously mentioned, despite this serious indiscretion, he was still allowed to be the lead detective in Madeline's disappearance, where he once again spent his time focused on finding evidence to prove the parents were guilty rather than looking for evidence of Madeline's whereabouts. Interesting. Where was he the night before? (laughs) Unclear. I don't know if he had an alibi. Oh, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) You solved it. Yeah. Um, We've actually discussed this before, but... That's the worst way to investigate rather than looking for evidence and developing a theory from the evidence. Mm -hmm. You develop a theory based on pure speculation and then seek out evidence to fit your own narrative. That will be the confirmation bias. Yes. And did I steal your thunder? Sorry. No, that's okay. No, it's really hard to deal with this situation. And that's how people get wrongfully convicted. Mm -hmm. But I have a little, I have a little story. I was playing one of those hunt a killer games with my friend Kate. And yep. we, were, we were doing the damn thing. I mean, deep dive. Of course we had, you were. We had the evidence yes. spread out. We were talking uh-huh. about it. We had a notepad. We were like, okay, it's definitely Joe. <laughs> he had the motive. He had the means. He had the opportunity. He's definitely guilty. Like, we fit all of the evidence uh-huh. to his guilt. Uh-huh. And then you open the envelope, and we were wrong. And we were like, mm-hmm, this is what happens to the police. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as yet another little aside, and we are not sponsored by them, but We're I not. highly recommend A Hunter Killer so because great. Colby and I have done that. I've done it with a few other people. They are really good. I will have to look up their website, but I'm sure you can find it if you just Google Hunter Killer. It's probably huntakiller.com. It probably. But they should sponsor us. Yeah, uh, it's so good. And it's, it is great because it's contained and you do get answers. So unlike this situation and all of our unsolveds, um, you get answers. And it's wonderful. You do um, get you do get really mad though because Kate and I are pretty sure that we had the correct answer and the game was wrong. <laughs> the game was wrong because they they were like, oh well, it's because you didn't consider this fact that's not included in any of the information we provided. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. No, no. We but it's really fun. It's really it, fun. It is it. super yeah. fun. Definitely play that game. And um, we digress. <laughs> Amaral was so convinced that the McCanns were involved, he wrote a book called The Truth of the Lie. And it also turned into a TV program. The book placed blame on the McCanns, saying that evidence indicated Madeline died in that apartment. The McCanns sued for libel, and they won at the mm-hmm. lower at the lower court, mm. with the court finding that the book had damaged the couple's reputation and invaded their privacy. There was a ban on the sale of the book as well as the documentary, but the higher courts reversed the decision, and the bans were lifted. The higher courts found that the McCanns had voluntarily relinquished their right to privacy by conducting media interviews and that the damaging information included in the book was all public information Uh, that had already been released by the police. But, okay, so this is good for us to know on our podcast um, that if you're just collecting publicly known information and surmising uh, who is guilty or not, as long as you're not causing... Um, 
them to lose their livelihood or something like that too. It's damage right? to their reputation. That, what you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the McCanns won the battle, but they lost the war. Ugh. Once back in Britain, the McCanns were introduced to Brian Kennedy, a multimillionaire who was interested in helping the McCanns find their daughter. He'd seen their story on the news and knew the McCanns were suspects. He said he thought, no way. He would lose all faith in humanity if these two parents had anything to do with this little girl's disappearance. Brian said after just a few minutes speaking to the McCanns, he knew that they were incredibly genuine and he agreed to finance an independent investigation into Madeline's whereabouts since the police were busy barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. Leads came in concerning bizarre encounters around the time of Madeline's disappearance. In Barcelona, three days after Madeline disappeared, a British tourist reported that a woman approached him and said, have you come to deliver my new daughter? Do you have the child? She was described as a Victoria Beckham lookalike, and she was thought to be Australian. Investigators appealed to the public and released a sketch, turning their search to Australia, but the land down under was another dead end. Oh. And I'm sure you're very disappointed I did not do any accents. I'm very disappointed and also not shocked that you brought up Australia. I love Australia. I know you do. There was a report that someone suspicious may have been lurking around the McCann's residence, specifically on the day Madeline disappeared. A woman named Carol Tremler was visiting her aunt who lived in the apartment above the McCann's. The day that Madeline disappeared, she was on the porch looking down below at the McCann's flat and she saw someone come out of the apartment, look both ways, and then close the gate. She said the way the man was moving and the way he closed the gate made it appear that he was trying to be quiet and not draw any attention. Or not wake up children. That, and my only issue with this is they were on vacation with so many people. I'm thinking like, what if they were all at the pool and he was like, hey, can you go like run and grab me this while you're at your apartment? Like, Uh I just, I don't know. I mean, I know, again, it's an investigation. They're chasing all leads, but I just, most of this I think can be explained away. Yeah. In. Without a stretch. Right. Yeah. Completely benign information, Mm -hmm. I guess. In addition to these single incident reports, there was also a theme that emerged for some occurrences reported to investigators. There were several reports of men going door to door collecting money for local orphanages in Pride de Luge. One report came from the people that had been staying in apartment 5A the week before the McCanns. They said they had an encounter with a clean cut man collecting money for a local orphanage. When they asked him about it, he couldn't provide the name or the location for which he was collecting. Another report was made concerning questionable behavior occurring prior to Madeline's disappearance. A woman reported she was home with her three-year-old daughter when a man came to the house in Pride Deluge soliciting donations. She said the man was talking to her about orphanages, but the whole time he was talking to her, he was fixated on his on her daughter who was playing in the living room behind her. I don't like that. I hate that. Mm-hmm. The following day, the mother was coming down the stairs when she found the man standing in her living room with her daughter. The man looked up at her and just ran away. Oh, I, I, uh, I didn't expect that. I would move. I would just move. Bye. I don't even know. Yeah. There were four reports of charity collectors in the area on the day that Madeline disappeared as well. These may have just been scams for money, but there may have been something more sinister involved Oof. too. I really think this is like a child sex trafficking area yeah like i just don't get a good vibe well that's why i was asking as gross as it is that's why i was asking if the twins were both boys because i was wondering if that's why they were left behind it was a boy and a girl but two things 
this is a gross comment too. Like, yeah. are they too young to abduct because right. they're still in diapers right. and it's harder than like toddlers who are yeah. potty trained? I don't, ew. I know I like, we're not going to go down that conversation, no, I, but it's, I'm with you that that is where I'm feeling because it's the only thing like, I, I feel like the window and all that kind of thing is like the red herring. It's, it's the door was unlocked. There were people milling around. There were people milling around who had probably bad intentions. And I, the only other thing with that is like, how would you know there were kids in that apartment? But maybe it's just unlocked and they can go in. Let me tell you oh, why. No. Oh, no, no. And this actually wasn't in my notes, but it's in my head. <laughs> yep. There was apparently um, a week-long reservation for them at the Tapas restaurant, and they wanted a specific table that looked towards their apartment. And I believe there was a note on the book that said like, they sit here because kids are at home in apartment or something oh, like that. Dear. And that book could be accessed by people going into the restaurant and the workers mm-hmm. and an insinuation oh. that people that were working there might've had sinister connections with the public and let them know. And if you were watching them, Oh yeah. They they were on day six. If you were watching them in you any way, shape, kids. or form, yeah. yeah they have kids true. and you also know they they all go in and yep. only the parents come out. Yep. Oh that is uh, not that specifically, but I do always say that about my own house that I do I lock everything, whatever, but mm-hmm. it would be very obvious when we go to bed. It's very obvious when there are people home and when right. there aren't. I, there's nothing I can really do about that, but it, I think about that, that it would take approximately one day of someone watching my house to have a pretty good feel for uh, what's going on in that house. When I am home working from home and I'm sitting at my desk, you, people will knock. I have two doors. People will knock on my garage door, like super aggressively. And I'll pull up my camera and it's just like spam. They've Mm -hmm. got like cards in their hand and I'm like, no, thank you. Then they will like walk up my walkway to my front door, which you walk by the window. Like if you turned your head to look, you'd see me sitting there. So there were two men that came to the door and they were like bang. They were banging, like knocking, but they each, were each other. <laughs> okay, no. You had to finish that no. sentence. No, that went up. It was going a whole different, a whole different way. Banging on the door, <laughs> on the door. Uh, and I was like, no, because first of all, I've never seen people come to get like, why are there two of you to sell me something? So I'm like, no, well then they went to my front door. So they walked by the window. I actually dropped down under my desk and had my phone and they were banging on my front (gasps) door. So I'm looking at them in the, in my camera. Then they went back down to my other door and started pounding on that door again. I was like, "Mm, I'm going to call the cops in a second. Like Uh go away. There are two, like, why are there two of you here? So listening, yeah. hate it. There, there's no conclusion to that story. I lived. <laughs> <laughs> they went away and I oh lived. Oh my gosh, but we don't know why they were there, what they wanted. No. Oh, that's so scary. No, and oh. I will never. And here's a, here's a like, listen, learn and stay alive tip. If you are home, somebody knocks on your door. It doesn't matter if they show you an ID. Mm-mm. If you can talk to them through a screen, like don't open your door. And if mm-hmm. they're like, oh, would you like a business card? You say, sure, leave it on the step. I will grab it. Mm-hmm. Do not open your door. Just be, it's so much better to be suspicious and like so overly yeah. cautious yep. than be like, she was so nice and she died because he was trying to sell her solar panels, but he <laughs> was a murderer. Like just... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> leave your door it's shut true. and locked. And many of us have the cameras now where you can just talk through the camera. So mm-hmm. do that if you have one. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Oof. Okay. That was an upsetting aside. 
I'm so sorry. What I'm, story are we doing today? I'm alive, oh, though. Yeah, that's true. I'm alive to tell the tale of the two men banging on my door. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Okay. In addition to developing new leads, the McCanns and investigators worked to exhaust old leads as well. In October 2007, an FBI-trained forensic artist sat down with Jane Tanner to sketch the man she saw that night carrying the barefoot child. The man, unfortunately, was still faceless, but the artist was able to sketch something far more detailed than Humpty Dumpty with a side part. (laughs) And investigators learned that Jane Tanner wasn't the only one who saw a man carrying the child the night that Madeline disappeared. Really? Investigators also spoke to a man named Martin Smith, who said that he saw a man carrying a child in pajamas in the street near the ocean resort. An artist sketched, uh, created a sketch of the man Martin Smith saw, but the man was not readily identified and the image was not made public until 2013. Interestingly, after Jerry and Kate were identified and they were officially named Arguidos in Portugal and returned to Britain, Martin was watching the news and saw a video of Jerry getting off the plane holding one of his twins. Martin contacted the authorities and said he was 60 to 80% certain that Jerry was the man he saw that night. He said he recognized him by the way he walked and the way he was carrying the child. Now, this obviously confuses things, but uh-huh. you know what? I'm going to eliminate it like right now. Okay, so, good, because my jaw is kind of hanging open with trying to figure out what the explanation for that would be. Yeah, there's no way. So Martin Smith apparently saw this guy around 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. Jerry was either in the restaurant or in the apartment when Madeline had disappeared around that time. Like that was when all the panic had oh, already right, started. Right. And not only that obviously Jane would have recognized Jerry carrying one of the children. Oh, duh. Unless yeah. they, like, um, but she saw him at nine 15. She saw that right. person at nine 15, right. not 10. Yeah. But what are the odds that there's two guys wearing beige trousers, carrying a barefoot child, wearing pink pajamas on the same night, on the same street, in the same area seen by two different people. They're, they're more than zero. But, well, I say that because, you know, the beige pants are not that strange. The pink pajamas are not that strange. And carrying kids around sounded like it wasn't that strange. But I get your point and agree. Yes. And then after they released the sketch from Jane's description, a man came forward and said, I think that's me. He said that he had, he was out that night picking up his child from the night nursery and that oh. the sketch looked like him carrying his kid home. And there goes, there, there's exactly our, our scenario where you recognize the person because you already know them. Right. It's you. Or it's you. You're yeah. like, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, we're talking about the updated sketch, not the egg sketch. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yep. I mean, it could look like him too. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's very self-conscious about his egg head. <laughs> In early 2008, the forensic artists sketched another drawing of a man with the help of Gail Cooper, a woman who was on vacation in Portugal, and noticed a man acting suspiciously three times in late April. When Jane saw the sketch of the man from Gail Cooper, she was struck by the likeness of the man to whom she had seen that night. That figure was released to the public as well. I couldn't find confirmation, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the man that had come forward as the possible James sighting did not also claim to be the large tooth sketchy beachgoer described by Gail Cooper. <laughs> Probably not. No. So I am not sure how many men were sighted. Hmm. I don't know how many men are involved here. Mm-hmm. Many men. 
many, many, yeah, many, to get many, a song many. In. I did. Um, so I just, I don't understand. So what's crazy with regard to Jane and Martin sightings is that this sighting of a man carrying a child, it's either completely innocent and it's a father right. bringing his right. child home for the night or someone witnessed the actual abduction of Madeline. Those are literally the only two options. Right. I suppose there is a third option of a, another child being abducted that same night. There but is. That would be very unfortunate. I wouldn't put it past Portugal at this point. Yeah. Quite honestly. Just and, that area. We like you, Portugal. Yeah. It could, and it could be both. It maybe yeah. there were two men, and maybe one was carrying the kid home, and maybe one took Madeline. I I don't know. I don't Isn't know. Isn't that a Sherlock Holmes thing? Like when you've eliminated all the other possibilities, whatever possibility remains, however improbable, is the solution, or something more eloquent than that. But. Uh, that's what that makes me think of. It's yeah. any of, because we don't have an answer for where she went or what happened to her. Any of these things are possible. It's all of them. I hate all it. of the things. I hate happened. it. While certain people that got involved in the case, like the forensic artist, contributed meaningfully to the McCann's search for the truth, others' motives may not have been so pure. Using money from a public fund that was set up to help find Madeline, as well as with Brian Kennedy's support, the McCanns hired Oakley International, a private investigation firm run by Kevin Halligan, who launched Operation Omega. The company set up their hotline for tips and to process information, planned to oversee the hiring of additional PIs, and Halligan promised to use his contacts with MI5, MI6, and the CIA to help find Madeline. I think MI5 and MI6 are the coolest names ever. So cool. Just as an aside. So cool. I picture Tom Cruise. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't work for them, <laughs> but I just I just picture him. That's what he wants you to think. I know. <laughs> the McCanns entered into a contract for 500,000 pounds, which is about six. <laughs> Sorry, the accent. I'm not (laughs) sure if it was you were misreading it or if that was intentional. That's how quality that that interpretation was. It was it. It was nothing. Five hundred thousand pounds, which is about six hundred thousand dollars in U.S. money. But the McCanns terminated the contract after paying him just three hundred thousand pounds. The McCanns felt that Halogen had conned them out of funds. By the way, I don't know if it's Halligan or Halogen, so I'm mm. just going to use them interchangeably. Is he a light? <laughs> yes, he is a light bulb. Uh, when they began looking into his work, it seemed he had failed to investigate hundreds of leads that came into the oh. hotline, and specialists hired by the firm said their bills were unpaid. Oh, dear. What a fucking sleaze. Yeah. Halligan said the allegations of theft were unfounded and all of the money was accounted for, but... In 2012, he was extradited to the U.S. for an unrelated fraud charge involving more than a million dollars, to which he pleaded guilty. Oh. I'm not saying his guilt in an unrelated (laughs) case makes him guilty in the McCann's case, but I'm just saying it sure as hell doesn't make him look good. (laughs) I'm going to say he was really a piece of shit for kicking these people when they were down. Absolutely. And who else kicked him while they were down? The media. Again. But they paid for it. In March 2008, Kate and Jerry were awarded 550,000 pounds as libel damages against Express newspapers. They also required the newspaper to publish a front page apology for the accusations that Kate and Jerry were responsible for Madeline's disappearance. Robert Murat was also successful in court and received 600,000 pounds in libel damages from four newspapers over seriously defamatory articles linking yeah. him to Madeline's case. And three months later, the top of seven got 375,000 pounds from Express newspaper in libel damages for the suggested claims that they have lied about Madeline's abduction. So is Express newspaper one of your sources? It was, yes. <laughs> that, my exclusive source for the best information. 
Money obviously couldn't fix the damage that had already been done to these people's reputation, but it must have felt damn good to make them pay. Definitely. In July 21st, 2008, the Portuguese police dropped the Arguido status of Kate and Jerry McCann. Good. They also dropped the Arguido status of Robert Murat, but it also meant that they were halting their investigation into Madeline's case as all of the leads had gone Mm. cold. Despite Portuguese police stepping away from the investigation, the family never stopped their pursuit. Brian Kennedy hired another PI firm to delve into the criminal network operating in Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. They, too, set up a confidential hotline and joined the worst of the worst groups on the dark web whenever possible to gather information. The group developed new leads, including a description of a couple who allegedly had Madeline in a car before she was passed off to other people in Portugal. Another lead was credible enough for the Kennedys to investigate themselves. A tourist sent them a picture of a woman carrying a blonde child on her back in the Atlas Mountains in Morocco, and the child did look like Madeline. Mm. Although the photo looked like it was taken on a Motorola, Motorola razor, so I'm pretty sure a Shih Tzu and a baby carrier would have looked like <laughs> Madeline too, based on the quality of that image. But Brian Kennedy agreed to go out and investigate. He traveled to Morocco and he found the woman in the photograph, what? whose child was blonde, and it definitely not was Madeline. not Madeline. No. Another dead end. I'm glad they're uncovering all. In May 2011, Scotland Yard started a review of the case titled Operation Grange, which I appreciate that they were all like Operation Omega, Operation Grange. By March 2017, they spent 11 million pounds on the investigation. Wow. Which is about 13.2 million US dollars. On October 24th, 2013, Portuguese police reopened their investigation. A review of the file revealed that there were additional witnesses who could be interviewed and that not all lines of inquiry had been investigated. The police continued to look for possible criminal connections. They searched for a man who had assaulted five girls along the coast of Portugal between 2004 and 2006. They also looked into three burglars who were in the area when Madeline disappeared and whose phones were, quote, red hot after she went missing. The more they investigated, the more additional criminal cases they uncovered, finding another five in which a lone intruder abused young girls in the resort apartments in Portugal. He was also suspected of the murder of a child in Holland in 1998 and another in France in 2004. Goodness. Investigators questioned a pattern of murder every three years and wondered whether poor Madeline was his target to check off the year 2007. Yikes. Martin Ney was never given Arguido status and faded into the shadows as a new perverted pedophile took center stage in 2020. Portuguese police announced a new Arguido when Christian Bruckner was named a prime suspect in Madeline's disappearance. He was the first new suspect to be named since 2007, and whether or not he's involved in Madeline's disappearance, he is a bad dude. Oh no. Christian was German-born and moved to Portugal in his late teens. He's a six-foot-tall, slim, white man with short blonde hair. Investigators believe that he lived there from 1995 to 2007 working in the food industry. He drove a 1980s yellow VW van that was pictured in Portugal in 2007. Oh, no. According to a friend who was at a bar with Christian, he confessed to being involved with Madeline's disappearance. The two were sitting in a German bar when a news report concerning Madeline flashed on the screen. Christian made a comment that he was responsible for her going missing. He also casually showed this friend a video of him raping an elderly (gasps) American tourist. (gasps) Oh. So the alleged confession from Christian and the existence of this rape video were brought to the police's attention by the friend. 
at a time when Christian was already behind bars being investigated for child sexual abuse crimes. Again, bad fucking dude. Yeah. The police were able to charge Christian for the incident in the video, which police found out involved a 72-year-old woman called Diana M. who was staying at the same resort from which Madeline went missing. That's super concerning. In 2019, Christian was sentenced to seven years in prison for that crime. In June 2020, the German prosecutor investigating Christian wrote to the McCanns and said that he has concrete evidence that Madeline is dead but that he cannot reveal the information because it would threaten his investigation into Christian. Another interesting tidbit, Martin Smith apparently told police that Christian does not look like the man that he saw that night, but there's also no proof that the man Martin saw that night was Madeline's abductor. So I'm, yeah. I'm not going to put too much right, on right, that. Right. Christian claims to have an alibi. He says that when Madeline was abducted, he was having sex in his camper van with a woman whose name he couldn't initially remember. He apparently remembered later and he said the next day he drove her to the airport and they were stopped at a police roadblock where they were caught on camera. Christian says the woman was later arrested at the airport for carrying illegal pepper spray. I guess if any of this is true, it would help corroborate his story, but it's all completely circumstantial. Yeah. So far, the evidence doesn't appear to support his alibi. Police obtained phone records, which placed Christian in Praia Deluge on the night Madeline disappeared. It, it is the most... Um... The most evidence we've had against anyone, any one of these leads. Right. Because prior to that, it was nothing. No, no evidence. It was, yeah, Mm -hmm. no evidence. Police's investigation into Christian's connection to the McCann case uh, provided additional evidence needed to charge him with more crimes. In October 2022, Christian was charged with three counts of rape and two counts of child sexual abuse for offenses he committed in Portugal between 2000 and 2017. One of the rape charges was on behalf of a woman called Hazel B. The prosecutors alleged that the perpetrator acted very similarly to the man who attacked and raped Diana M. Hazel B. was reading the news reports linking Christian to McCann's disappearance when she read about the Diana M. allegations. She said she actually threw up while reading it because it brought her back to her own attack. Oh, gosh. She apparently was sleeping and was awakened by a masked man who held her at knife point and raped her. Another victim was identified by videotapes stolen from Christian's home in Portugal in 2006. The video revealed the victim was a very young German-speaking girl, maybe 14-plus. Christian tied her naked to a wooden pole in the living room, beat her with a whip, and forced her to perform oral sex. This footage has apparently now disappeared. I also realize apparently is my new word as well. (laughs) Sorry, that's like my legalese. It appears. Yeah, it appears. Apparently. I don't want to commit to anything. No. Well, it's fair in this case because we I don't we don't know anything. Everything is made up yeah. and the, the points don't matter. Exactly. Concerning the child sexual abuse charges, in April 2007, Christian was allegedly on a beach in Portugal wearing only his shoes when he grabbed a 10-year-old girl by the wrists and began to perform masturbation <gasps> movements before letting her go. A decade later, in June 2017, Christian was accused of exposing himself and masturbating in front of an 11-year-old girl at a playground in Portugal. Christian was arrested after that crime, and I believe that is the charge for which he was incarcerated at the time the police received more information about the Diana M case. Okay, yep. Christian also has several other convictions for burglary, for stealing from hotels and vacation apartments. I'm sure among other charges I don't even know about. I don't know what you mean he's a bad dude. Not that you need any more information <laughs> to show that he's a terrible human being. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Do you want it? You want the talk? No. You want the receipts? No. 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 In 2016, 
either in the search for a missing German girl or as part of a child pornography sting, or both. I read them both. The police conducted searches of a deserted factory that was previously owned by Christian. The police found USB drives containing more than 8,000 images and videos of child pornography buried on the property beneath the body of a dead dog. Oh. Police have not indicated whether there are any pictures of Madeline on those USBs, but there's not enough therapy or wine in the world to be the person or people charged with reviewing all of those images of I those poor kids. I was thinking exactly that. And of course, you have to look at it because that's 8,000 missing children. I know. I mean, well, or you know, maybe, I mean? but, yeah. and maybe they yeah. have some sort of AI technology, like oh, facial God, scanning software so. as well, but like, fuck, oh. like someone's, someone's seen it and they're scarred. It makes me sick. They're scarred. Christian claims he's innocent. He says the prosecutors are just trying to back him into a corner to crack and confess in Madeline's case to escape the mental torture of prison. He claims he's more isolated than those who waited for the death penalty in Nuremberg prison and that his human rights are being violated by his isolation. I hope they are. <laughs> he claims there's no evidence, DNA or otherwise to link him to any of these crimes, including Madeline's case. Christian has not yet been charged in connection with mm. Madeline's disappearance. The German prosecutors just revealed, like, I mean, just revealed like two days ago that they don't think that Christian will be charged this year. They believe that he's responsible, but their investigation is taking longer than they expected, and they're having trouble, quote, cracking the case. I don't know what prosecutors and the police are keeping under their toop, but I think they may <laughs> have some damning information about him as a human being, but it's not enough to link him to bring charges or get a conviction in her case. And I prefer that they take their time. I was just going to say that. He's yep. in prison yep. right yep. now. You know, yep. take your time, get what you need to, but... The prosecutors continue to make statements to the media that they are positive Madeline is dead and that they have concrete proof that she is dead and they are 100% sure that Christian is responsible for her murder, even if he wasn't the one to kidnap her from the apartment. Interesting. That being said, so this, this is the police that's saying that, though, not the media. The prosecutor right, is okay. saying it. Yes. Oh, oh, sorry. The prosecutor. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot more. That carries a lot more weight than yes, the media a lot hypothesizing these things. Right. Oof. Which I guess, and the prosecutors have talked to the McCanns, but they're apparently still holding out hope that Oof. she's alive. Oh. Another recent development in this case, if you can call it that, on Valentine's Day of 2023, a woman named Julia posted for the first time on an Instagram account with the handle, I am Madeline McCann. Julia has at least three names on the internet, including Julia Faustina, Julia Wendell, and Julia Wendette. Julia's from Poland, but was living in Germany. She's supposed to be 21. Madeline would have only been 19, but Julia said her family could be mistaken about her age. She says she has the same mark on her eye in the same place as Madeline, although she says hers has faded over time as she's aged. She claims to have a similar freckle on her leg and one on her face as well. She's posted numerous photos of herself from childhood next to photos of Madeline trying to compare her features. And her motive for the social media profile was to garner enough support to get the family's attention and get a DNA test because she thinks that she is Madeline. I wonder what makes her, aside from the physical similarities, I wonder what makes her think that it's her. Like does in talking to her own family or current family, they said that she had 
they stole her? <laughs> like, what, what is, why would you think, you know what I mean? Like, why would you think that? So there's a bad dynamic with the family. Okay. N- not bad, but Julia thinks it's bad. Julia says she has post-traumatic amnesia from being sexually abused by an unidentified pedophile. She started to suspect she may be Madeline because she recognized the man in one of the composite sketches on the Find Madeline website. She doesn't remember much of her childhood and said her earliest memories are of being on vacation on a beach, but she cannot picture her mother or father there. Hmm. Julia's family shared a statement to a Polish missing persons page on Facebook denying that Julia could be Madeline. They said... It's obvious to us as a family that Julia is our daughter, granddaughter, sister, niece, cousin, and stepdaughter. We have memories. We have pictures. Julia also owns these photos because she took them from the family home along with her birth certificate. We've always tried to understand any situations that happen with Julia. Numerous therapies, medications, psychologists, and psychiatrists were all provided to Julia. She was not left alone. Threats at our address from Julia, her lies and manipulations, activities on the internet. We've seen it all and we've tried to prevent it, explain it. We've asked her to stop. We've always tried to help get her back on her feet. Julia has been of age for several years. She moved out of the house. She refuses treatment, does not take medication regularly. Mm. She also did not take advantage of the possibility of treatment at a very good center in Poland, which agreed to accept her. Julia once wanted to be a singer, a model. She always wanted to be popular. What's happening now has given her 1 million followers. Mm -hmm. We're scared if Julia will carry the inevitable, the internet does not forget. And it is obvious that Julia is not Maddie. We're devastated by the current situation. At the same time, we want to state we will not give interviews, publish any photos, comment on articles. Any inquiries or comments should be sent to the ombudsman of the provincial police. So her family, they didn't even say they adopted her? Or they're not? So why wouldn't they just put out a DNA test? They refused, which is interesting. It is. I, but based on their statement now, now I'm very intrigued because based on their statement, if all that is true, then yeah, you're probably just like, we know it's not, we know that she's ours. If we ever needed, if we ever needed to prove it, we could, but we don't need to prove that to the world. So from that side, I get it. But as an outsider, give me the DNA. Oh, I know. I want to know. I want the receipts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Julia said that she tried to talk to her family about her childhood, but they've been dismissive when discussing it. She told the tab, which could be one of those <laughs> tabloids. I'm not sure. I The tab tabloid sure sounds like it, yeah, but, who but knows? it was an interview. So it's, it's legit, right? <laughs> she said, my mother didn't want to talk about it. She said the past is the past and she's not going to talk about the past. She said now is the future and we should focus on the future. And her dad said, even if I'm not your father, will it change anything? So it's a little, it's a little bizarre. I I just, I don't, I don't like the smell of it. Yeah. Well, Dr. Fia Johansson, who goes by the Persian medium on social media, has inserted herself into the situation with Julia and has taken over as her private investigator and PR person. What a mess. Julia's Instagram was just recently deleted and apparently it was because she was receiving credible death threats, including one that she had a bounty on her head. Dr. Johansson has been letting Julia use her account for now to reach out to her followers. And most recently, Julia posted videos of herself at an airport getting ready to board a plane and is now in the United States. 
Commenters noted that Julia would not be allowed to fly if she didn't have a birth certificate or passport. Uh Uh-huh. Which is a valid point. Absolutely. According to the interwebs, Julia has now taken a DNA test that will link her to Madeline's case or the case of other missing children. The results are still pending. Recently, a new theory says that Julia may in fact be another missing child, Mm. Livia Shep. Oh. Livia Shep went missing in 2011 in Switzerland with her twin sister, Alessia, after her father abducted them. The father committed suicide a few days later, and there has been no sign of the twins since. Oh, gosh. A note from the father to the mother insinuated that the children were deceased and resting peacefully. I honestly don't think she looks like Madeline or Livia. Yeah. Um, but the DNA, the DNA test will hopefully provide closure to yeah. all of those involved. Like, it's just... Most people are just saying that everyone's doing it for attention, that this Persian medium inserted herself for attention and for followers. This girl has gained notoriety. She got in an airplane. She's in the U.S. I mean... Yep. We're talking about her here. She got what she wanted. I mean, on this big podcast. Huge. Yeah. Huge. International. (laughs) International. It it is. Um, And I read somewhere... This is complete speculation. I I am not sure if it's true, but I remember reading somewhere, and maybe it was a Reddit thread, so again, maybe it's not true, but I read it, um, that they think that she posted on some website a picture of all these missing people and was like, who do I look most like mm-hmm. before she posted this? I'm not saying that's true, no, but I can I totally know. see it. Well, in and especially if, if that family statement is true. And if she's sounds, mentally unwell mm-hmm. and she's doing it yeah, for attention. Yeah. I know. Oh, that's, and it's sad because it has gotten the attention of the McCann's, right? Like that's what I, that's why we're talking about this. So. Yeah. I mean, and they, they don't want to, they're not ruling anything yeah. out and they're like, sure, I guess take a DNA test, like knock your socks off. But I, I feel like it's twofold. First of all, I feel like they would look at her and be like, that's Madeline. Like, I don't think yeah. that when kids grow up, their faces change so much that you're trying to, like, compare freckles. Like, they're either no, that person exactly. or they're not. So that's why I don't think. I, I'm laughing because every time we say, took a DNA or take a DNA test, all I can think is Lizzo took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that <laughs> bitch. Like, that's what's going through my head this whole time. I don't know that song. You're kidding. No. No. Do you people hear what I have to deal with? No. She didn't know the Wendy's bag alert. Okay. Bag alert. Now you do. Now you do. Now I do. Okay. I listened then, and learned. Now, because the rest of the world does know the song I'm talking about, I'm not going to play it on here, but That's I'll make fine. you listen to it That's later. Fine. Yeah. But like, do you know Family Tradition by Hank Williams Jr.? I, by now I do because you've sung it so much. Okay. Well, I mean, fair, but still. So let's, let's we, talk about we it. We digress. Let's talk about it. I'm going to give you my thoughts first. Okay. All right. That's what you always do to me. <laughs> I don't think the McCann's had anything to do with Madeline's disappearance. You don't bring your kids away to kill them. Right. You do it somewhere that the surroundings are familiar and there's no motive. You mentioned this, but, and I'm not commenting on guilt or innocence, right. but I'm thinking of a similar case like Casey Anthony, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, like she just wanted to live a kid free life. So her kid mm-hmm. is dead and now she's out at clubs. Like they had two other kids. Right. So like, what would be the motive yep. for this kid? They didn't need money. Mm-hmm. They were successful doctors. It's mm-hmm. not like they sold her to one of these rings. Mm-hmm. If it was an accident, why would they do what they've done? Why would they draw all this attention to right. it? Why wouldn't they like call an ambulance they, and say absolutely. something? Absolutely. Yeah. Like they would just handle it completely different and then we talked Mm -hmm. about it before if it wasn't if they were covering it up 
first of all, you think that they can coordinate the seven people with them to yeah, all lie for them no. and, and come after up. all this time. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. And when, how, yeah. why? Yeah. No, you, you need to answer a few of those questions and there's no answers. Right. And again, why would they have carried on so long if it was either on purpose or they were trying to cover their tracks because they still buy Christmas presents and birthday presents for her every year. That's awful. And they've worked with artists to digitally recreate aged photos of her that they carry around and still talk about like with the hopes that someone will recognize her and they will still find her alive. Like there is no Mm -hmm. way she's involved and there it's no way that they're involved. Like no way. I agree. I can't say whether she is alive or dead. Um, the photo of Rui Pedro surfacing in that child pornography yeah, ring, like I, I feel, like I don't like that either. But even if these kids are taken away and then they're brainwashed so young, like, again, wouldn't you recognize a picture of yourself? Like that's why I don't think she's alive. Yeah, she, wouldn't she have come forward? Wouldn't she be mm-hmm. like, what? Like even if she was with a new family, wouldn't she be like, wow, that picture looks weirdly like me? When was I born? Unless exactly, unless it's one of these terrible sex ring things i know i know that too but and and the cadaver dogs yeah the cadaver dogs are very irritating to me Mm -hmm. i'm can't explain it no you can't and i mean like i wouldn't put it past that there were other dead bodies in the area based on what we're hearing about this area of portugal exactly Um, i was half kidding about it but now i'm not but what about the hit on the cuddle cat that, so that's where I was getting stuck on timing and what it would imply being all over. Like, and it was on, um, I, I listened to you for Kate. an hour and a half. It was Kate telling me her name, Kate, I think. Cause then I got, I finally learned Jane's name, the friend, but I was like, that's not the mother. Um, anyway, I was getting stuck on how it could be on her clothing. Cause I could, I could argue any place in the apartment. I could argue any, like even the cuddle cat thing, because maybe something happened and it was still there. But her clothing, that's very confusing to me, how how that they would possibly be alerting. Unless it's like, does the smell transfer? Is there something like if she sat in the wrong spot or put a blanket on her that was in the in the apartment like there's all there's just or she held the cuddle cat if the cuddle or, cat yeah, genuinely had the scent exactly. and she was holding it and it was everywhere it's just that I, so with all those even though there are these unexplained things that are frustrating that does not lead me to think that they're guilty no i have, i just yeah. can't explain it yeah. i don't think they're guilty yep. and i hate to discredit cadaver dogs in any way right. or the blood dogs in any way because those little doggies have like the best little sniffers <laughs> and i'm not saying they didn't smell what they said they smelled they did de- they definitely did i told you dogs are like hips yes they don't lie but right. i just i can't explain it no it's inexplicable yeah, yeah. oh that's a good one it cannot be explicked <laughs> agreed and honestly my thoughts are very similar to yours the only other thing i was gonna say is that this case has so many parallels to natalie holloway mm. especially that there was so much pressure from the media mm. to come up and produce yes. a, a perpetrator and i wonder just like then and also with this case if they had just had patience and looked at instead of grasping as you said for straws if they had had patience and maybe then they could have identified something earlier on. I don't know, but um, but I do feel the same that I don't think it's her parents. I don't think they had anything to do with it. I think that she probably isn't alive because I I first was thinking, well, how would you get somebody get a, a kid out of an apartment like that 
how would you manage that? But I think you're an adult and you can overpower and because I, I was thinking you carried like, her out. Well, I was thinking like, was she, would she have screamed or something like that? But I think you can manage that as an adult. I'm not going to think about it because it's upsetting me, but, um, I think they might've drugged her though, because I think that would have made a scene. How? With a needle? Maybe. Why not? I don't know. If I, you're part of like a child sex trafficking ring, like I think maybe you can get a hypodermic needle with well, some sort of sleep juice. Uh, well, I'm not. So <laughs> no, no. Can't so, relate. Uh, we really can't do unsolved cases. I know they're very upsetting, but it seems that's one thing I hope and pray for this family that they get the evidence that they need to convict Christian Bruckner because I, they have to have something good for the prosecutor to come out and say to the family and the media, your child is dead and this guy killed her. Like, we just can't prove it. Like, what do you have then for you to come out and say that statement? Like, they have to have something that they're not releasing. And I'm glad that they're not releasing it because you know what? While they're developing their case, it's none of our business. That's like Delphi. I need to go. I haven't looked up anything recently on that. But that reminds me of Delphi where their priority was getting a conviction. And and they didn't care who else needed to know things. They needed to know and prepare for a conviction. Right. Um, and there, and we know that there's such a big difference between knowing somebody did it and getting them convicted in court. Exactly. That is a giant, giant abyss. For sure. So. For sure. So I hope this family gets closure. But yeah, of course. You know, based on this whole Christian Bruckner development, I, mm. I do think that she is dead. And yeah. I do think that he's responsible. If a prosecutor is going to come out and say it, that certainly. But again, don't know what they have. Who knows? Oof. I'm sure Man. we'll find out. Maybe, yeah. Hopefully we find out eventually. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Well, if you're enjoying listening to Grimm, please rate and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss any episodes. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make our day by leaving us a written review. You can find our page on Facebook by searching Grimm colon a true crime podcast. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can go to Patreon and search Grimm colon a true crime podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Grim Crime Podcast for information on future episodes and for the sketch of Humpty Dumpty. If you want to send us a case suggestion or just say hi, you can email us at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Listen, learn, and stay alive until next time because the future is grim. 